Welcome to the Safety Talks podcast presented by Safopedia.com, empowering the workplace with free health and safety information. I'm your host, Pat Robinson. Safety Talks seeks to educate and inform through our discussions with experts and influencers in all aspects of occupational health and safety. We cover current practices and new developments in emerging technologies, management systems, legislation, and safety best practices. Now, to today's guest. Our guest today is Catherine Smith. Catherine has been with the National Safety Council for six years and has been the program manager at the Campbell Institute and the manager of the Campbell Awards since 2015. She's a holder of a Master of Arts and a Bachelor of Science from Northern Illinois University. Through her work experience, Catherine has excellent reference points for many research projects and other valuable academic work with Institute members who are a who's who of leading global organizations. As you will hear, Catherine has in-depth knowledge of safety systems and practical examples of best practices implemented by Institute members. Catherine, welcome to Safety Talks. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation for a while just because there's uh, just so much really good information as we went back and forth on on this particular topic of, uh, of the Campbell Awards. So let's jump into this. Let's uh, talk a little bit um, first about Robert Campbell and where the Campbell Award came from. Robert W. Campbell was actually the first president of the National Safety Council. Um, and he was selected as the namesake for this award, mostly because he was seen as a true uh, safety pioneer. Um, so way back in 1913, uh, when the National Safety Council started, um, he's been quoted to saying, uh, he's been quoted saying that uh, safety is really the study of the right way to do things. Um, and taking that, uh, that statement and kind of applying it to your organization or your business um, is really what made him stand out uh, in the crowd um, back in 1913. He, as I said, was a true safety pioneer and kind of understood that so many years ago, which today is some, you know, is a notion that a lot of organizations understand and kind of operate under that assumption. But, um, you know, back in 1913, that wasn't necessarily the case for everyone. So um, it was an obvious choice for the National Safety Council to choose him as a namesake uh, for the Campbell Award, uh, since the Campbell Award is given to organizations that excel at EHS management and really take the time to integrate uh, their EHS management system into their overall business operations. Yeah, of course, that's a mainstream approach to operations these days, isn't it? I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that this advocacy goes back if I'm hearing this correctly, over a century now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when we think about the, the pioneers in safety thinking, generally, you know, you, you graduate to sort of the 1930s with, with Heinrich and various others. But um, this is a, a really valuable uh, story. Um, Robert Campbell's a really interesting guy when you read into him and, and uh, what he did way back in the day when absolutely really no, nobody was talking about integration of health and safety requirements into business requirements, overall sort of business planning and execution. Um, so that in and of itself is uh, an extremely interesting piece. So let's talk about, uh, th there's four goals within the, the Campbell Award. Yeah, the, outside of the sponsorship, there's uh, four major goals involved there. Yeah, so the, the Campbell Award, um, as it is part of the National Safety Council, it's considered a nonprofit organization. 
Um, so the first goal that we have is, of course, to recognize EHS excellence and to recognize those organizations that have kind of met that mark and kind of those organizations we, you know, would define as excellent in EHS management. Um, so, of course, that's our goal, but actually we have three other goals, as you mentioned, um, that are, are really the core of, of and the purpose of what we're actually trying to do with the award program. Uh, so the first one of those is actually to establish a me uh, measurement process. Um, so this measurement process we established through looking at uh, organizations, of course, that are doing really well, um, but also you know, taking into consideration uh, new science in the field, uh, look, uh, working with experts from all over the world, um, and we develop our uh, criteria for the award. So this criteria that we develop is actually part of uh, the application. So it's kind of how we, uh, it's kind of our judging rubric, if you will. Um, but all of the information, because we make it public, it serves as a measurement for any organization that is interested. And uh, it's kind of, uh, organizations can actually use it on their own, um, as of course, and we can also uh, assist them as well, um, using that process um, to kind of judge their own organization kind of outside of, you know, the, the formal recognition process that we run. And the next two uh, of the other two goals that we have is, are very much similar and work together in the sense that, uh, well, I guess <laughs> the other two are uh, capture successes and foster sharing. And like I said, those, those really work hand in hand. And we like to capture those successes um, through the organizations who apply for the award and end up winning the award. We make sure that um, all of their applications are posted online and are free to the public. Um, and then we do different things throughout the year to make sure that we foster that sharing of those best practices um, and those successes those organizations have had. Uh, we do a lot of things like this podcast or that we do presentations at different safety conferences. Uh, we write research papers, things like that, just to try to get the information out to other organizations. Yeah, it's tremendous. I mean, uh, given the fact that there's this uh, significant infrastructure around being able to, to call these best practices from a really broad spectrum, because we're going to talk about the 16 previous winners and, and some, um, obviously, the, the 2018 um, award winners a little bit later on. But to be able to um, have a mechanism to call all this information and, and vet it, because you, as you mentioned, you've got a validated process and so on, um, and then to put it out in public domain for people to benefit from without, uh, without cost or obligation uh, is, uh, is really such a, a progressive and, and really just cool thing to be doing. So we're going to have um, as part of the promo for this and um, some of the um, delineation of this information through the podcast and as we promote it, we'll certainly talk about the, the Campbell Institute in and of itself because um, there's just so much mm -hmm. good stuff going on there. So so let's talk about previous winners. You know, when I looked at this list, it's really just um, a who's who of global leaders, uh, whether it's uh, in the mining industry with Alcan, um, you've got uh, construction and engineering services organizations like Fleur Hanford and chemicals like Dow and DuPont. These are heavy, heavy hitters globally. So talk a little bit about uh, some of the previous winners and uh, um, some of their contributions. As you mentioned, the, the 16 previous winners are across industry, uh, and also most of them have uh, worldwide kind of operations or have you know international operations. I will say that's something that is kind of unique about our award is that uh, all of these kind of best practices and things that we're sharing are certainly are can be utilized across industry. 
Um, so when we talk about our winners, that is definitely a point that we like to that we like to focus on a little bit. But some of the uh, more recent uh, winners, uh, as as you kind of noted in the bio, I've only been with the organization since 2012. So some of these winners actually, you know, won before uh, I was part of the organization. But I can certainly talk about a few of them more specifically. Um, like I said, most more of those um, more recent ones. But if you look at an organization like Cummins, they're certainly um, kind of one of our award winners who stands out from the rest just from the fact that they have had a very long history with the award. Um, and that is common for some of the award winners in the sense that they have applied uh, several years in the past um, and actually did not win the first couple of times they applied. And they took the uh, information that they got from the uh, application process and implemented it into their organization and actually ended up uh, improving to the point that they were able to win the award after um, three years of applying. I will say it's something else that kind of uh, sets Cummins apart is a lot of their successes are very homegrown. Uh, a lot of their programs that have been very successful and have led to a reduction of uh, incidents, like I said, are very homegrown. Um, they're you know, programs that they've created within themselves not necessarily something that they would, you know, go to a consultant for, that kind of thing. Um, I'll also mention uh, USG, which is our winner in 2016. Something that certainly sets them apart from the rest of them is their focus on employee engagement. Uh, and that is actually one of the aspects that we'll talk about a little later. But uh, their organization, um, uh, they do not have a extensive corporate group of EHS professionals. Um, they're they're uh, at a corporate level. Their group is actually pretty small but they really focus on uh, making sure that every employee kind of takes the responsibility for safety. Uh, and they have actually been extremely successful in that area. So that's something that certainly sets them apart as well. Yeah, real real common themes of the kinds of things that uh, world leaders typically do with uh, integration all the way down the line. Things like homegrown solutions as opposed to necessarily looking for the latest and greatest thing. Quite quite frequently, the the pathway to long-term success. So that that's interesting and, and a great springboard for the five areas of excellence that the awards incorporate. Those areas are leadership and integration, uh, data management, alignment, and corporate citizenship. As, as you've noted, those are the five. I will, I will note as well that the, uh, the last area of excellence, corporate citizenship, um, we've actually renamed. So I don't know if you want to sure. make the lit. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So uh, if you look in the um, uh, more modern version of this information, uh, the, the five are uh, leadership, integration, data management, alignment, and social responsibility. Social responsibility. Okay, mm -hmm. so a little bit, um, a little bit broader, and the, the word is more specific than just corporate citizenship. Um, corporations um, sponsor lots of things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're heavily like. There's a difference between passing a check across and then being um, sort of activist right. in the community. So, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the the one here that really caught my attention was the issue of data management. This is the business that I'm in and really seems to be the, the way the world is um, going in terms of uh, big data and uh, understanding behaviors at the macro level uh, with big data. In that particular area, is there a couple of specifics that um, you're looking for or is that particular subcategory evolved in, uh, in your years with the organization? What are the kinds of things that uh, leading organizations would be doing with the data management piece? 
Yeah, so I'll first start off by by mentioning that this area is probably the the area that has evolved the most over mm -hmm. my time uh, with the organization. And I think that is because there is, um, you know, as you've noted, there is a lot of focus, especially current day on kind of the big data and, you know, what information can you gather from, you know, your activities that you're already doing um, to therefore, you know, further enhance them. But for most of the organizations that we work with uh, through the Campbell Award, there are kind of like three things that are very common that we see among um, their data management practices. Um, the first one is just kind of in general, but they make sure that they use the data that they collect to identify the risk and very specifically to prevent the injuries. Um, so the prevention is really the key here that is essential for, uh, or at least that we see is essential for a good EHS management system is they use that information for the prevention of injuries. This is not, this data is not focused on what has already happened or those lagging metrics as they're termed. Um, they're always very focused on the leading data and what can they anticipate uh, in the future. Um, also, just the collection of that leading and lagging indicators or the leading and lagging metrics are something that's, uh, of course, very common among high-performing organizations. And something that's kind of, uh, I guess, more specific to the, the collection of the leading and lagging metrics is that we typically see that organizations have what they call a scorecard, or they have, you know, a list of the most important or most, most influential metrics. And it's typically a pretty balanced scorecard. So there will be some lagging metrics that'll kind of uh, uh, ensure that those are either, um, you know, their practices are either decreasing or, you know, holding steady, depending on what that metric might be. Uh, but they're all also on that scorecard is, uh, as I mentioned, you know, a, a pretty substantial list of leading metrics. So it's more focused on that, that um, prevention aspect. Nice. I would suggest that there's a pretty steady march. And, and I think in the safety business and the safety profession, perhaps we, we see that it moves a little too slow overall for, for our liking, but um, lasting change takes uh, sometimes a long time. Um, and mm -hmm. it's certainly encouraging. And I, I would see um, sort of a, an ongoing and somewhat relentless march towards proactive measures. Not that the traditional reactive measures are, are going to be dropped uh, anytime soon, nor should there necessarily be a complete uh, forsaking of, of lagging indicators. You know, the context and what organizations do with uh, the numbers, what they mean in their worlds is, is ultimately more important. So I think it's just really neat that this is the single largest um, growing area in these uh, five areas of, of excellence. So it just strikes me that um, further conversation regarding that alone could be could be very interesting. Nonetheless, uh, great input there. So let's talk about theme five, which is leadership. And um, the one that really caught my eye here was leadership training. But there's there's four other big ticket items here that we could chat about. The way that we kind of define leadership is more broad in the sense that we look for organizations that focus on leadership in uh, a holistic organizational view. Um, so it, certainly it is important for these organizations to have active leaders, the ones that are in you know, those higher positions, those C-suite positions, but it's really about the organization um, empowering everyone within their organization, or I guess everyone within the company to be a leader, to look to others or you know, try to influence others' behaviors um, with their own. 
um, and that sort of thing. So when we talk about leadership, it's really we're ta really talking about the entire organization having a certain mindset and a certain culture that is uh, representative of what the you know, the direction the organization is trying to take. Uh, but of course, something that's very important is, and that we've seen across all of our award winners, is uh, a firm and visible commitment from the CEO as when it relates to uh, EHS management. Um, it is certainly uh, influential, you know, they're usually the most influential person within the organization, right? And, and so it's very important that, that that CEO is very visible with his expectations when it comes to EHS. And something very tactical uh, that we that we typically see um, within organizations are um, the integration of EHS metrics, those metrics that we just talked about, and often uh, and more commonly, leading metrics will be integrated into your performance plans, uh, and every organization's or I'm sorry, every employee's performance plans. So they'll essentially, you know, uh, in, incentivize em, employees uh, to do certain leading acts in relation to their performance as an overall employee. But they certainly don't leave them kind of high and dry when they talk about their performance plans. Um, a lot of them will give them leadership training that will encourage good leadership tactics and good, you know, safety, uh, a good safety mindset. And kind of in general, the last piece here is, um, as I kind of mentioned before, is that employee empowerment. And so it's really looking for um, all employees to you know, take that step to be a leader within the organization and lead with safety um, and kind of make sure that all of their you know, colleagues are, are as safe as they are. Yeah, like so many of these things beget better behaviors and, and stronger culture. So the, these four items are, are just so closely linked. Um, in my mind, one of the very highest value activities a CEO can can do, and you had mentioned earlier about um, uh, tactical uh, leadership, is to be in the field and engaging with um, frontline workers and talking mm -hmm. specifically to them about safety um, and their their personal safety experiences not um, necessarily carrying um, a corporate message but more engaging with frontline folks regarding what what that worker's particular experience is like and actively listening and engaging in in that way that's probably no more no there's no more powerful uh, a thing a CEO can do to um, empower an employee and and to uh, seek understanding about what that person's experience is actually like. The other item that I, I'd mentioned there is uh, leadership training, and more through the um, through the looking glass of, of smaller organizations. I, I think that um, anecdotally, my experience with large world class organizations is that um, they put a, a, a lot of uh, money and a lot of effort and set standards for leadership training from CEO to you know to, to top end executives and typically all the way down their org and do a pretty good job of it. Um, I think this is an area where smaller, lesser resourced organizations struggle. And, you know, quite frankly, this it's really just, uh, I think, a matter of, of budgeting and, you know, where does it all fit in the bigger picture. But I, I tend to see a big difference in organizations where the senior management have all got a baseline in um, health, safety, and even environmental training, um, not just from a legislative uh, point of view, although that's really important, but more about um, more about culture, leadership, um, the importance of standards, the whole issue of accountability really um, is such a key mm -hmm. factor in there. So I think this is an area where smaller organizations could really benefit, take a look at the lessons learned from the larger organizations, because this is an area I just think that the, the investment in it uh, in both time and, and um, 
uh, corporate resources really pays off long term. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't agree more. And and um, although we haven't had a small organization win the award um, in several years, we we do work with some organizations that are smaller. And uh, I guess in our reference, smaller is a thousand or fewer workers. Um, so still sometimes kind of a big organization. But even looking at the National Safety Council ourselves with an employee base of about 300 people, leadership training is something that, you know, it is an investment for those kinds of organizations. Um, and typically, it's just about, you know, if you're working in an organization that is that is a small organization, it's usually just about kind of making sure to articulate the ROI when it comes to that sort of training. Um, and right. certainly our organizations that have won the award have been able to do that in a way that, you know, will encourage employees to take the time and encourage supervisors to allow those employees to take the time to have, you know, a proper EHS kind of leadership training course. Right. Great words there. Um, it is an investment, but I think ultimately, um, over sort of intermediate to long term, it, it truly pays off with a stronger organization and uh, better culture and systems, without question. Yep. So let's talk uh, integration. This is theme six in, in the award process. So there's four things here that uh, are, are pretty, you know, they're, they're big ticket items. And you alluded to the first one, EHS and business integration in the introduction to this. And then there's, there's uh, three others. So let's chat about the integration pieces. Yeah, so um, when we talk about integration, uh, what we really mean by that is, uh, as you mentioned, is, is really the the integration of your EHS management system into your business operations. So it's kind of at the core of what this award is really about. Um, And there are very specific aspects that we look at to kind of identify if there is a full integration. And one of the ways that we, I guess, one of the identifiers, um, if there is this integration that we're looking for, often you can see uh, how businesses uh, strategize uh, or develop their strategies for the future. Uh, most organizations that we work with have some sort of EHS aspect into their business strategy development. Um, also, when we talk about, you know, again, about that data management, um, are there safety metrics that are integrated into kind of your quality metrics, perhaps, or your production metrics, things like that? Are, are, is safety kind of talked about in the same way um, as those other, those other kind of business driving metrics? Also, in general, just about communication strategies. Um, is that an aspect of the business where safety is talked about? Is safety important enough to be part of the communication strategy throughout uh, both internally and externally throughout a year for the organization? So those are very kind of like very specific areas of integration that we look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some more obvious ones that we've seen um, is through their audit programs. So a lot of, of course, uh, organizations are audited, especially large organizations are audited pretty frequently. And so we look at their audit programs and um, to see if there is some sort of EHS management system audit that incorporates their business as well. And so a lot of the organizations that we work with um, have a a multi-tiered audit uh, program where they will do a self audit. So essentially looking at their systems and auditing themselves, Um, they'll do what some of them are called like a tier two or like a secondary audit uh, where they'll have like one facility audit another facility And of course, they'll have third party audits where um, whether it be kind of uh, mandated by an OSHA audit or if it is, you know, just a they hire someone to come in and do a third party audit for them. So those audit programs, again, uh, and of course, the findings from those audit programs are, are usually very important when we're talking about this aspect of integration. Another aspect is uh, the anticipation of challenges. Um, And when it comes to things that are uh, worldwide operations or um, kind of uh, economic changes, 
things like that. Those are kind of uh, worldwide kind of pressures that come to organizations, um, whether it be, you know, politically kind of motivated or natural disaster kind of motivation, but that, that in challenge, whatever that challenge might be that the organization uh, might take on, uh, is there a consideration of safety? So, you know, when they talk about um, like natural disasters, for example, of course, this is going to have, you know, production implications if you have facilities in the path of a hurricane or something like that. Uh, right. But it's how that organization anticipates those situations happening and also incorporates safety into their response. And the last kind of aspect of the integration that, uh, that, and I will say, is a growing focus for us for the award is the contracted workforce. So there's a lot of organizations uh, that use contractors, of course, and some organizations define different jobs that contractors work and things like that, typically dependent on risk level of the job and, and, and such. But the organizations that we work with um, and have won the Campbell Award made a point to, regardless of the level of risk, uh, or regardless, uh, you know, if it is in a person that comes in and uh, stocks the vending machine, or if it is a person that has, you know, been a machinist for 15 years, but um, they're both considered contractors for these organizations. And so they, they essentially integrate them into their business as if they were employees. So they would offer their contracted workforce the same trainings, um, whether it's leadership training, EHS training, that sort of thing. They integrate them into all of their internal programs, whether it be like a um, hazard ID program or something like that. They, they really uh, kind of embrace those contracted workers as their own employees, and they're just as concerned about their safety and their way of operating that they are their own kind of paid uh, full-time employee. Right. I mean, so many critical themes in, or critical items in, in this particular theme of integration. Um, and when you talk contracted workforce, many, many of the largest uh, world-class organizations, when you look at the people doing high-risk activities, um, in a lot of cases, they're exclusively contractors. So this is um, an absolutely critical piece. The other thing about audit programs, because there's some evolution and some change taking place there, would you offer any comments regarding what the, the large organizations are doing from an external auditing perspective? So um, obviously in the construction sector, there's the VPP program, which we're actually going to podcast about uh, in the next mm -hmm. short while. Because I think that there's um, a lot of uh, really interesting stuff going on there. But uh, there's also a new um, ISO standard for um, occupational uh, health and safety. Um, there's an existing Z10 and, and uh, uh, ANSI Z10, I think it is. So do you have a sense for what the audit protocols the larger organizations are using? I think you nailed it with those with those options. All of those that, that you know you, you mentioned, the, the ISOs, the OSHAs is too... Uh, as well. And also, I, I will say uh, a lot of organizations use the Campbell Award process as an external audit as our final, once you get to the finalist uh, stage, uh, we essentially use the criteria to do a, a in-person week-long uh, assessment of the organization, which is very reminiscent of an audit. And there are some other, um, you know, nonprofit organizations as well as, you know, at the council um, that offer external auditing, uh, external assessments, kind of depending on, you know, how structured they are. But um, I would say that a majority of the organizations that we work with um, do use some sort of third party uh, and typically a nonprofit kind of services to do their external audits, as well as um, ISO and things that you've mentioned. That must be um, eminently satisfying, and I would just offer probably an unintended outcome that the Institute must be thrilled about if they're using yeah. um, your process 
as a means of um, audit. That, uh, that's uh, <laughs> very interesting indeed. Um, yeah. Cool. That concludes part one of my conversation with Catherine Smith. Join us soon for part two, where we'll cover the key elements of EHS sustainability and a practical example of community involvement that contributes to that goal. Issues related to alignment of EHS activities, including risks related to acquisitions and operational readiness. Finally, social responsibility as it relates to EHS and examples from the 2018 Campbell Award winner and the valuable work that they are doing in the communities they operate in. If you like what you heard today, or if you've liked previous podcasts, or have interesting subject matter that our audience can learn from, we want to hear from you. Check our show notes at safopedia.com slash podcast. You can email me at pat.robinson at hsebestpractices.com or contact me on Twitter at patrobinson2005.